morning, good afternoon, and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landison, the late Patty Fink, who's here. Indeed. Uh, we don't have a guest today. We're just going to do kind of a news roundup. And there's, there's lots to talk about. Lots. I you thought know. we'd start with E. Jean Carroll. Oh, <laughs> always a good one, especially this past week. Not gay-related, but definitely yeah, Of course it's gay-related. How? Uh, her attorney is Roberta um, Kaplan. Kaplan. Who, okay. who, for our listeners who may not know, she successfully, kick-assly, argued the um, Windsor versus United States right. before the United States Supreme Court, which overturned a significant chunk of DOMA. Right. Uh, when we were doing marriage equality. That kind of um, paved the way for uh, Obergefell. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And at the same time, um, during all of those years of marriage equality and ongoing discrimination, she has represented the LGBTQ community in Mississippi on a variety of issues and laws which discriminate openly against LGBTQ people. She's taken on that work pro bono. So um, I think it's interesting. Um, the the writer and daughter of Erica Jong, Molly Jong Fast, who mm -hmm. writes for the Vanity for Vanity Fair now, um, she had a party and invited George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's mm -hmm. now ex husband. Mm -hmm. Um and um she was a friend of E. Jean Carroll's and so she when E. Jean Carroll was talking to her at the party about her case. She said, I wonder if I have a viable case. So she introduced her to George Conway. Mm -hmm. And he, he's an attorney, of course. He was argued before the Supreme Court. And, um, and a huge uh, opponent of uh, Trump. Yes, he does not like he Trump at all. He does not like all. Trump at all. And he said, I think you have a viable case. And here, I want to recommend an attorney to you, Robbie Kaplan. Oh. And so she took her up on it and hired Robbie Kaplan. And I think it was the perfect attorney for this case. Don't you, David? Well, she won. And, <laughs> and she asked for damages and got double. She did such a good job of, uh, of planting. No, she got triple. Yeah, they were not asking anywhere for it. Close to what she got. Yeah, uh, it was an $83.3 million settlement. For reputational repair, she got $11 million. For other... Um, uh, compensatory... Compensatory damages, $7.3 million. And punitive damages, $65 million. Um, there was a... They were asking for $20 million. Yeah, and, and went way over that. And if, if you have time, it's, it would be worth your time to go back and get the episode of, um, I think it was, was the last word on MSNBC, but it was Ollie Velshi um, subbing for Lawrence O'Donnell. And he reads her s s a closing argument, Robbie Kaplan's closing argument, word for word, mm -hmm. on the air. And it is so compelling it's so it's worth looking it up online and, and finding that. Um, well, about, she's a brilliant attorney. Oh, completely. And she talked about how what an aberration Trump is, um, not only in his crime against um, E. Jean Carroll and her and her client, um, but but just a, a, he's above the law. He thinks he's and believes he's above the law. 
and how what an aberration that is for not just presidents of the United States, but everyday people in court. Right. right. And right after that, um, a, a, an attorney who's been in all the court cases, and you know, I sat in the courtroom, Lisa Rubin came on, and she really, she just listed this litany of disrespect that the jury got to see on a daily basis during that trial. There was some minion of Trump's that kept coming in and out of the court, and nobody was doing that, so the jury witnessed this, and he would sit down, and he didn't mute his phone. He didn't silence his phone, so his phone would go off, and he would like start to answer it and leave the courtroom to take the call. And they knew he was on that that side. And then Trump would get up and come and, come and go, and it, it was just a parade of disrespect, mm -hmm. as if they really do believe. Right. Like all these other people in the courtroom, they're the little people, they don't matter. Right. And he just got to do whatever he wants. So they witnessed it themselves, uh, the disrespect he had for the, for the rule of law. Right. And, I, I, and so when she says in her summation, what will it take? How much will it take to make him stop? Mm -hmm. I, I guess they thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because in addition to the uh, $83.3 million in this defamation suit, she won $5 million a couple of months earlier in the sexual abuse case. Right, that was the, the, the phase that said he did it. Yeah, that's what a lot of people aren't getting. You know, I, I, I've seen social media. This wasn't a relitigation if he did it or not. Right. He, 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 technically, he has been ruled that he, he was responsible for assaulting her sexually. This was just the uh, penalty or the, uh, the how much money is he going to have to pay. And do you know what uh, his defenders are saying? What? Well, it wasn't rape. <laughs> They can dream on. Yeah. They can yeah. dream they on. Can dream it, it on. Was, he was found uh, responsible for sexual assault, not rape. That's, if, that's, if that's where they're going, they're not, they're not worth anybody's time. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. this is, the, this is a, in parallel to the other case he's dealing with now with the New York Attorney General. He's already been ruled in a court of law that he committed fraud. The Trump yes. Organization... Trump, um, Donald J. Trump and his kids and his staff all committed fraud to, against the state yes, of New York. Yes, but it wasn't a jury trial. Well, by his own choice. His, his, his attorneys didn't check the box for a jury trial, so they got a bench trial. It's his own fault. He keeps complaining. You know, he's just a he's white grievance. That's all he is. And, and now it's about how much he has to pay. Right. And a lot of people don't understand they don't, that. They're not getting it that this is all about how much he has to pay. Right. Well, and, and whether or not he can continue doing business in the state of New York. Oh, I think that's already, well, that's true. That's been decided. But all of his properties and his, his, his wealth is tied up with a conservator yeah. who controls it all. I thought it was interesting. I, I, I mean, I know most judges say this, but in this case, the judge went a bit further and told the jury, the jurors, you can talk about it. You don't have to be, but I would advise that you don't. You don't ever reveal that you were served on this jury. Don't ever reveal you've served on this jury. And that's because... Their lives uh, are not safe. Their, their lives are not safe. We live in a time now um, that people can hunt you down, find where you live, where you, where you work, harass you, or, or worse. So that's interesting. So, I mean, I've served on a, 
several juries, and they always tell you, you don't have to talk about this, but you are free to. But I've never been told I would recommend that you don't. <laughs> don't reveal, even don't reveal. Don't reveal that you're even on this jury. I've never been told that. And apparently it's what a lot of these federal judges tell um, juries when it's been a big mobster trial. Oh, yeah, well, that, it makes you know, sense. Don't, don't, I would recommend you don't reveal you were in right. this jury box. Right. And that's kind of sad. It is a former president that can threaten mm-hmm. the lives of these people, mm-hmm. these ordinary people. And what I don't get is, is Trump keeps going. He, he, one of the first things he said on his true social, his failing through the social platform. That's, and that's kind of sad. It is a sad. former president that can threaten mm-hmm. the lives of these people, mm-hmm. these ordinary people. And what I don't get is, is Trump keeps going. He, he, one of the first things he said on his true social, his failing through the social platform. That still exists. <laughs> yes. And they're they're like losing billions hand over fist. Um, it, you know, was that it was the the Biden witch hunt. I'm like, this case, this case had yeah, nothing, nothing to do with whatsoever, Biden. no connection in any way, shape, or form. But they'll try and tie it together. And his people will believe it because yeah, they'll, they'll believe, believe anything. Believe now, it. you know what the headline would have been this week had this trial not happened? Uh, Trump owes the New York Times $400,000 because he was suing the paper for its reporters trying to uh, get hold of his tax returns. And, and he, he lost. lost. And he <laughs> <laughs> so that means he has to pay for all, all those civil... Yeah, uh, this this story was just buried, though, because yeah. $400,000, that's nothing. He owes 83, actually $88 million to... But, but here's the thing, and again, his people won't, they, they won't put the, they, they, they won't put the math together. If he's a billionaire, that's actually chump change. It is. Right, write a check and, to her and move on. They can't, they can't have it both ways, and he cannot have it both ways. Yeah, exactly. But he's going to appeal this and appeal this, um, and we'll see if she actually ever gets the money. But my understanding from, the, from the, the legal pundits out there is that he has to put that money in a bond pending appeal. Oh, okay. So that, and he has to do that within 30 days. Um, I read this morning that he can delay paying until after the appeal is heard. Oh. Yeah. That's just special treatment, though, for, you know, for for Trump again, because everybody else has to put it in in a bond. You know what Robbie Kaplan can do, though? She can file a lien against Trump Tower. (laughs) That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. And here's the thing, like, they had a guy in the New York Attorney General's case that from the attorney general's office who'd done his homework and was called to testify that Trump can say he's a billionaire and all of this, but he only has about $280 million in cash, like of funds, period. Mm -hmm. And uh, if he has, if if, whatever else he has is tied up in in real estate property. So his $288 $280 million in, in cash will not cover this $83.3 million or what the Attorney General is asking for is $370 million. I mean, this, is, this has gotten his attention. He doesn't have, he's been having, in fact, he's been having his pack. All the, the MAGA supporters who've been paying into his pack have been, his pack has been spending all that money paying his legal fees. And now he's going to have to dip into his own money, which is unheard of for Trump, 
to pay off these these um, as soon as the judgments against as him. soon as the judgment was read, a fundraising letter went out asking for five dollars. I bet. Of course. <laughs> and they'll pay it. And they'll pay it. Yeah. They, absolutely, they'll pay it. Yeah, I'm, know, I'm not. I'm not sending money to any. Even if I like you, to any. But you claim to be a billionaire, but you can't pay. What? 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 Uh, the, the New York Times four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that, that's pennies. Or mm -hmm. um, even eighty-three million dollar. I mean, that's not pennies to that. But you still can. But if you're a billionaire. But you're a billionaire. Yeah, you can afford that. You know, and he brags about it all the time, and yet he, he hasn't spent a, a dime of his money. Mm -mm. Mag is paying for this. Mm -hmm. On Saturday Night Live last night, there was uh, a wonderful comment. Do you know how unlikable Trump is? O.J. Simpson only had to pay $33 million. <laughs> 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 and he killed two people. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Wild? Allegedly, yeah. <laughs> Well, he wrote a book. If I did it, maybe the, maybe Trump could do that. He did, but at least <laughs> <laughs> he did lose the civil portion of it, though. So, well, well, here we are talking about this, and we haven't even started the criminal. Tr criminal I know. <laughs> so he's going to be bankrupt like, for the seventh time in his life exactly. before he even gets to the criminal right criminal trials right where his freedom is on the line, not just his money. But you know what I think is interesting? We've been watching since um, Iowa, the Iowa caucuses, um, what, last week, week before last, mm -hmm. and then the, the New, New, Hampshire. New Hampshire primary, and now they're all heading to South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And Nikki Haley's still in the race. And, and Go for her. South Carolina's not until February 24th. We're not even in February yet. Oh. And... She's not going away. Yeah. And the first thing, his big critique, after she's decided to stay in, and he's livid that she lost and he, she's, she won't quit, kind of like he did right. um, <laughs> at one point. But he was, he was criticizing her for her clothes. Oh, I hadn't heard that part, but I'm not surprised. And I'm like, that's the... That's what you have coming out of the gate is is her clothes. Her clothes. You got a long month right. ahead of you, dude. Right. <laughs> well, but, but he, he doesn't also, know any issues. No, he, you're right, exactly, he doesn't, he, he um, doesn't know any he issues. No issues. But you know, talk about typical petty Trump. He did say after her New Hampshire loss that if any of her donors continue to uh, donate to her. Then he will hold that against them. Do not donate to me, or he will ban them, or something like that. Really? Yeah, threats. Yeah, threats. Like, oh my God, who does that? And kind, and kind of empty, like, you know. Yeah, but we've seen what he really does. Uh, when Tim Scott dropped out this week, he endorsed Trump, and they're just buddy, buddy, buddy. Right. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. I I think that was kind of a crappy thing that Tim Scott did. He looked, he looked a fool. Nikki Haley is the one who appointed him to the Senate originally. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where would his natural allegiances lie? It wouldn't be with Trump. It would be with the person who helped right. lift you up and elevate you in your career. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't think like that. But what I find really interesting right now is that when we look at the Iowa caucuses, 
These are white, overwhelmingly white, Christianist, white evangelical Christian nationalists, rural, and MAGA, like the whole state, like except for the concentrations of college towns, the whole state. That's his demographic, and he only won 51% of them. Right. That's, that means 49% of them did not want Trump. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of telling to me. I mean, when, when it was the performative thing in 2020 where he was a sitting president, that whole primary was, you know, a bust, but he got 97% of the vote in Iowa among Republicans for the primary. So how do you think that's going to play out in a general election? That other 49% is just going to, like, give in, okay, we'll vote for him because he's the only choice, or they're just not going to vote at all? I think it's going to be one of those two things. And, but the thing is, I think he's in bigger trouble than he thinks he is. Oh, yeah. And you go to New Hampshire where we have, you have independence, and she, she came up right behind his neck and was breathing on him, his, his shoulders. And he doesn't seem to think that was a problem because he won. Well, uh, look she at, lost by 11%. It's not huge, especially based on the number of people who actually ended up voting. Uh, because terrible weather. But it was a little microcosm of what independents think. Mm -hmm. And they did not go with him. Mm -hmm. So I, I, think he's, I think he's in bigger trouble. The Iowa numbers are more shocking to me than New Hampshire. Um, simply because it's, this is so him, his demographic. This is, this is what MAG is about. White nationalists, white, white Christian evangelicals. Rural, super rural, you know, but it did kind of remind me when those results were coming in that it was like, he's ahead of her by 124 votes. I'm like, this is like a Dallas City Council election. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Out of a total of 722 votes, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, right. well, he won that. Right. <laughs> Going back to Tim Scott, we need to take a break in a minute. Uh, Tim Scott got engaged this week to his yeah. long-term girlfriend really yeah. who he's been seeing since he started running for president yeah that's so long term <laughs> what since last fall and i think that i i think they recorded it it was a recorded his his proposal and I, I don't know yeah it's just he's going to probably be trump's running mate you think? Uh, I don't know about oh, that. Oh, I think you that think so? I got that indication when he said they got engaged. Interesting. He needs somebody who, like Nikki Haley, would never be his VP, even see, if she comes in second. Never. See, I, I, that would actually, I, I think that's more plausible than Tim Scott. I think he needs somebody who will absolutely put the collar on themselves and the leash. And hand it to him. That's what he wants. He wanted. I mean, Mike Pence wasn't wasn't milk toast enough for him. <laughs> and yes, man, Mike Pence. He didn't go to the Capitol and do his bidding right. on January sixth. You know, he wants somebody who will absolutely he can lead around by the nose. Good point. And say fetch. That's. I mean, to me, that's. It's not. That's Tim Scott. Yeah. Okay. 
And you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM in Dallas. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and the late Patty Fink. And we'll be back with more right after this. This is Alex Hanselka, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM, Dallas. And uh, this is Lambda Weekly, and we're just doing a news roundup. Who, who's up? Well, there's some good news that came out of the Supreme Court this week. Um, they didn't. They declined to hear a case, and it's a good. And I'm glad they did. So it's it's not a complete victory yet. Um, I guess a trans boy was. <clears throat> this is out of um, uh, Michigan. Um, a trans boy was delayed, denied. Uh, he couldn't go to the restroom. They wouldn't allow him to use the boys' restroom. So he couldn't use the restroom at all. Um, the American Civil Liberties, I'm sorry, this is of Indiana, um, filed a lawsuit, went through the courts, and the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals found that the district did violate um, his rights under Title uh, <clears throat> Title IV and equal, equal protection. And it went to the Supreme Court, and so they declined to hear it. So that means the um, Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals ruling stands. So that's good. But I, I, I you know, I, I caution that's, that it's not permanent because another similar case could work its way up. They could hear it and rule against us. But at least now, that's, that's good news. That's, that's very good news. Yeah. Um, and I, I think um, as time, time goes on, um, more and more... Um, cases like that will be resolved in in a trans person's favor, right? And an LGBTQ person's favor. At least I, at least I hope so. Well, you would hope that as more people get to know trans people, they'll realize that when a trans person is going to the restroom, what they're doing is they're going to the restroom, right? And there's nothing lascivious about it. It, it it's just they're going to the restroom they're just going to the restroom and this was a little bit different from most of the other ones we've heard the um the issues are with uh, trans girls they don't want a boy in the restroom with the girls so this was a, a little different um it's a trans boy so but it doesn't matter discrimination is discrimination right um let the kid go to the bathroom i don't understand what the issue is if they go in there and they do something improper, then you handle it. But, but until, that's not what this is but about. But that's not what this is about, yeah. The fact that he exists and he needs to pee. Exactly. He needed to go the, to the bathroom. And good for the parents for, you know, not, not letting it just fall by the wayside. Um, like, you know, you denied access for my child to go, be able to go to the bathroom. So. And I don't know much about the Seventh Circuit. It's not like our, our Fifth Circuit. Um, I don't know. Are they, are they kind of? Are they usually kind of liberal or in the middle? Seventh Circuit is know. which states? That's Indiana. I guess Illinois. I'm, I, I don't know all the, the states that it covers, and also I don't know if by the Supreme Court not listening to this case, does it only affect that jurisdiction of the Seventh Circuit, or does this affect the entire country? I don't know. I don't really know how that works either. Because in another circuit, say the fifth, the very, very conservative fifth exactly. where we live, exactly, 
an, an identical circumstances case could work its way through and they could rule the other the other direction. And now the Supreme Court would have to pay attention because they've they got opposing v- rulings right. in uh, in the country. And well, that could be what the Supreme Court is waiting for. That, that could be what they're waiting for. And that's actually how our marriage case got to the exactly. Supreme Court. Because they were finally, and I forgot which court it was, it wasn't the Fifth Circuit. They never ruled. Well, it was Obergefell up oh. in Ohio and Wisconsin. and That's right. That they wrote, Their court of, uh, circuit court ruled against us, and some other ones had ruled in our favor. So it was a discrepancy. So the Supreme Court had to take it. That one's Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Yep. Okay. I okay. think. Am I missing something? I don't know. It might be four states. <laughs> but it is interesting. Yeah. The, our Fifth Circuit, they never ruled on it. They had it. They never ruled on it. Well, why would they? Why would they? The Supreme Court's already ruled. Yeah, I guess that's what they were waiting on, I guess. Mm-hmm. They would have been squashed anyway. They, yeah, they would have ruled against us. So um, another thing that came out this week was... Um, New new study uh, by the Public Religion Research Institute that found that Gen Zers, and Gen Zers are those who were born between 1997 and 2012. So um, nobody in this room is a Gen Zer. No. Not nobody. even Jeremy. Not even Jeremy. <laughs> and he's, they, a, he's a youngin. He's a, he's a youngin, <laughs> for sure. Um they found that Gen Z is not only the most racially and ethnically diverse generations in American history, um, it also has the highest percentage of LGBTQ numbers. 28% of Gen Zers self-identify as LGBTQ+. Hmm. And they are more likely, Gen Zers in the United States, are more likely to identify as LGBTQ than they would identify as Republican. <laughs> And they're more likely to identify as LGBTQ plus than they would white Christian. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me as far as the identification of LGBTQI. Um, but the rate at which you just that is a little surprising because you know we've always grown we've grown up hearing that we make up we're one in every ten, right? Ten so percent. You well, know, at the that's mar- way past 10%. At yeah. the March on Washington in 1993, mm-hmm. we were marching, chanting, 10% is not enough, recruit, recruit, recruit. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we did a good job. Looks like we did a good job. Well, it, it is kind of interesting. If you look at the, the generations, and right now we have Z is the youngest, and then we have Y, and then X. Um, it goes for Gen Z, 28%. Of Gen Z adults self-identify as LGBTQ+, 28%. Mm-hmm. Um, that's much higher than even before where it was 25% mm-hmm. by Gallup. Right. Um, and so, which would be 25% is one in four. Um, and then if for Gen, um, Gen Y, it's 16%. And for Gen X, it's 7%. And for baby boomers, it's just 4%. So what it tells me is that the older you are, the less likely you're going to come out to a pollster. Right. Um, because, in fact, the Gallup poll showed that 65 and older only came out to a pollster at 3.2%. And yet I've always believed we were way more than that. Yeah. Well, um, we also lost a, a generation to the true. AIDS crisis. True. Do, do you think those numbers have always been there? They're just being more truthful now? I think they have been. Yeah. They're all along, 
all along. I, I agree. Um, and and we've all known it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you navigate the world. You go shopping. You go out to dinner. So you see gay people and 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 queer people everywhere. Everywhere. And we all know each other. We got the little lesbian nod. <laughs> I don't know what the guys do. You know, well, hey, Mary. We can, do, we can just pick it up. <laughs> you know, like, but but we've we've always known yeah. that it's not this you know rare thing. And every family every family has at least one LGBTQ person. Just about. I was fortunate. Yeah. I had a cousin who was my age. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I officiated her wedding in in California. They've been together now thirty almost forty years. Mm. Um, you know, and and one of the things I said at her wedding was that. Um, I knew that we were diff- we were different in the same way. Interesting. Growing up, yeah, you know, and we didn't come out to each other until we were in college. I mm. think one thing that doesn't happen as much anymore is if you are gay or lesbian uh, or transgender, marrying somebody of the opposite sex. Oh yeah, yeah. You mean that that has decreased? That's decreased. Yeah. You mean like beards, like yeah. yes, you know, like yes, like um, oh, who's the guy who played um, Perry Mason? Raymond Burr. Raymond Burr. Thank you. Um, I'm getting on uh, losing names. Um, Raymond Burr did that. He married once, and I think he fathered a child and um, with her, and then they got divorced. But it was all a show. And his his partner in real life, he was with for thirty thirty five years, um, you know, was in the wings. Interesting, Just, you but, know. Yeah, yeah, but you know, that was fairly common back then, and it still happens today. But it has decreased. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I what, think marriage equality uh, played a big part in that. Um, it normalized same sex couples marrying. And by normalizing it, you didn't have to do the normal, you know, the so-called normal thing of marrying somebody of the opposite sex when you weren't attracted to that person. I mean, what a terrible way to live. For both. Yeah. For, for both, for yes. Both. What a terrible thing to do to the straight part of that couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I have friends who've, um, like a gay man and a, and a lesbian would marry... Um, I've and heard then, about that too. And um, for all the advantages they could get for that, mm-hmm. and but they wouldn't even live together. And right, just on paper a, they're married. Right, um, and and also for surrogacy kinds of issues where mm-hmm. you know a lesbian wants to give birth to a child and they won't let let um, this this person donate unless they're married mm-hmm. and. You know that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's occurred. I've, absolutely, um, absolutely. Even more than anecdotally, I think. Um, and there there are lots of people out there today, who um, I think this is inc- increasingly so, in a in a straight couple or in a gay couple, either one, one one of them comes out as trans, and they stay together. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was just talking to someone about this not too long ago because I know someone who's in this situation very recently. Um, What's her name? The Mary, uh, the mayor of... Um, well, well let, me, let me finish what okay. I'm saying. Um, he's married. Well, now she's married to a woman 
the woman is she she she's sticking by her. They're not getting divorced. But I've never heard it the other way around. A man who's married to a trans to a woman who comes out as a trans man and they stay together. Yeah, uh, Carter I've and Espy. I've never seen yeah. that. Carter. Carter and Espy. But Carter was trans. No, 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 it's not the situation I'm saying. A straight heterosexual man who's married to a woman, that woman turns into a trans man. They stay oh. together. I've never seen that. You see what okay. I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I've never seen that. So that now it's a now it's a male couple. It's a male gay couple. Hmm. Right. I'm not saying it's never happened. I've just never seen it. So, interesting. Yeah. Have to look yeah. that up and see if I can find. But I do think it's interesting because I know a lot of uh, 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 I know of a lot and know several couples the other the other way mm-hmm. uh, where they end up being two women together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stay together. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's really, ex- really extraordinary and really beautiful that they love this person so much. They're going to, you know, like this is just one more, you know. The beauty in the heart of a woman. <laughs> exactly. Says, I don't know many men that will do this. I, I jokingly asked Denny that. If I transition to a woman, would you stay with me? He said, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Did he I'm, really? I'm dead serious. Yeah. Because I still love you, but that's not what I marry. Like, okay. Well, <laughs> to be mad at your spouse over a hypothetical. <laughs> I wasn't mad at it, but it's like, okay, that's interesting. Well, it's a little twinge of hurt, for sure. And then he said, well, would you with me? I said, I, I probably. I'd have to think about it. Well, look, you're still going to be together because you have a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be and, together for the rest of our lives in one way or another. Yeah, you might not be living together, right, but right. you would in shared parenthood. Yeah, you're, absolutely, absolutely. You're going to be in each other's lives. Yeah. But that's, so. you know, blies my point. I've never met a cisgender man who's been in that situation. And, and stayed. Uh, and stayed. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so anything else he'd leave you for? <laughs> I don't, not that we have discussed anyway, <laughs> but if I want to get rid of him, I, I guess I know how to do it. <laughs> Danny, I'm no, no longer Laurent. I'm Lorraine now. He'd <laughs> drop you like a hot potato. Drop me like a hot potato. <laughs> that's that's uh, funny. Oh, wow. I have another statistic that came out this week. There have been 26,000 rape-related pregnancies so far since uh, Uh, in Texas Texas. Texas alone. I heard it. I thought, because I've heard it several times, and I thought, okay, maybe they are nationwide, 26,000, but just in Texas alone? Yep. That is maddening. 26,000 rapes? That doesn't mean there would have been 26,000 abortions, because we don't have statistics Right. On how many people, given the choice, have said, no, I'm going to keep the child. I did read in the same like release of stats that they, uh, some institute did somewhere, and they looked at the 14 states that have a total ban, like Texas, where there's no exception for rape or incest. Um, and there have only been, they said there have only been f- about 40 abortions in the state since uh, Dobbs. 
so that's that's not very many at all. No. Um, but it, but what's what's frightening to me, and, and you know how this this topic just pisses me off endlessly. Haven't noticed. Me too. Um, well, you'd be pissed if it were no, you know, no. It, 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 if your bodily it, autonomy was stripped to you yeah, by it, the state, it enrages me actually. You know, it's no. We haven't noticed how it affects <coughs> uh, Patty. <laughs> well, it's um, it, 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 it's craziness. It really is. It's and this idea that you could um, criminalize somebody for driving through your town on the right. way to somewhere is is really. Um, you know, Handmaid's Tale kind of stuff. And a blatant, you know, it's, it's unconstitutional. Completely. Completely. That part is so unconstitutional. From the people who claim that they're all about freedom. Right. Well, no, freedom for them, freedom, right. you know, freedom for thee, not, freedom for me, not for thee, in all kinds of areas. Right. You know, health care, uh, re women's reproductive health care, trans health care. You know all these things, where they they want to control what you your what not only their kids read but what your kids read. But God forbid we ask you to put on a mask. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's now, now is not where, where where's where are my freedoms? You know, with twenty six thousand rape related pregnancies so far, that's in about a year and a half. Um, you you have to wonder how many of those are children who went into the foster system. How many of the 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 pregnancies, or the how many of the pregnancies that ended in a birth contributed to our lack of homes for children? I'm sure it contributed a great deal. Yeah. Um, if you've got if you've got full options as we had under um, under Roe, um, and our CPS system was chock full and overflowing with children in needs of homes in need of homes. Imagine what it must be now, mm -hmm. where um, it, 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 these are these are cases of rape, and you know, Greg Abbott said that he was going to get rid of rape. In Texas. Yeah, that was his response. He, that's he, what those were his words. Yeah, those were his words. We will eliminate we, rape we, in the I'll, state of Texas. I'll, I'll eliminate rape. We're waiting. Well, twenty six thousand, and those twenty six thousand since stops last in what twenty twenty two. So that's been almost two years. Mm -hmm. um, Twenty-six thousand that resulted in pregnancy. Right. How much? How much rape is still rampant in in Texas that has not been eliminated by Greg Abbott? And let's think, think about the ones who go on and report it. Exactly. So exactly. the numbers probably been higher than that. This is it's. It's sick. This, it's a war on women, and they know it, and they condone it, and there are women who support that, and. And um, they, they betray all women everywhere, in my opinion. We need to take a break. Uh, got news today that Anita Bryant's granddaughter is married to a woman. Really? Uh, yeah, isn't that nice? You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis and the late Patty Fink. And we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Listen. And this is Lambda Weekly, and Candy will be our guest next week. So. Start a pledge drive. So, 
Yep. Um, so the Academy Award nominations came out this week, and two huge ones came, uh, were nominated, made history, but I think people kind of get, are getting some of this a little wrong. So Coleman Domingo was nominated for Rustin, and Joe Foster loved it. He was so good. So good. So good. So good. He was better than the film, actually, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jodie Foster um, was nominated for a Nyad. Okay, so they are the first openly LGBT actors to play LGBT roles and get nominated. Really? So, yeah. <clears throat> well, they're saying that some people are saying they're the first. That's not true. Some people are saying they're the second. They are the second. But what they're saying is the first is what they think they are getting wrong. Can you think of what it, what some of the sites are claiming what the actual first is? The first act, openly gay actor to play an openly gay role was nominated? Um, Brokeback Mountain, what's his name? Neil, Neil no. Patrick Harris, maybe? Nope. He, yeah, nobody, um, nobody on Brokeback Mountain was really gay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they are, but just not out. Okay. <laughs> so they're saying, I'll just tell you, they're saying Ian McKellen was. He was nominated in 1999 for his role in Gods and Monsters. That role was gay. He is openly gay. But I. Now. Yeah, now. Uh, but that still isn't the first. I don't know why everybody's missing this. Jay Davison, who played um, um, Dill. Played a trans character in um, the Crying Game back in 1992. That's the first. Was he really trans? He, he well, okay, he isn't trans. Maybe that's the silver lining, uh, or or maybe that that's the thin line, uh, Patty. He's not trans, but he is LGBT in real life. Well, I would have to say if it were, if it, if it, he were really trans, then playing a trans, a trans character. character I would think that would be a valid claim. Okay. But I don't I don't see it. You don't see it? Okay. I mean, gay and trans are, are both they, LGBTQ, but they're not the same. They're not the same. We're there are lots the of fabulous umbrella. trans actors out there and lots of fabulous gay actors. Yeah. And by actor, I mean both men and women. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's the thin line. Okay. So, but Jodie Foster would be the first one. Jodie Foster would absolutely be the first uh, woman, yeah, lesbian, for sure. The out lesbian. Out lesbian, and, yes. and yet we've had decades of people criticizing her for not being out, and yet she's, she's the first out lesbian. Well, yeah, yeah, she's out now. I just think she keeps needs to keep doing movies that are four letters that start with N, because she's had five nominations. She's won twice. She has won once twice. Once for The Accused, once for uh, Silence of the Lambs. Right. And then she was nominated for Nell, and now she's been nominated for Nyad. I forgot about <laughs> Nell. I completely forgot about that movie. She has a good track record she with four-letter yep. titles that yep. start with N. Yep. Just so point. we'll see if either one of them win, but it was a great, it's a great moment. It is, and I have to say, I'm really, really excited by, um, by Lucy... No, um, um, I've, I've lost the her uh, first, uh, first Native, Native American woman to be nominated yes. for Best Actress. And um, there was an article in, in yesterday's Washington Post about the overwhelming, like electricity on her, on in her tribe, over her nomination. Oh, that's great! And speaking um, 
her black feet language mm. when she accepted her Golden Globe Award. Mm. That was that was awesome. And little kids were just like running running around saying, you know, she spoke her language. She spoke her right, language. Right. And, um, the schools have really, you know, kind of been celebrating um, her her win. So um, I don't know when the Oscars are. So They're in March. In March. It's I like the exact day, but it's in March. It's like a gay male, you know. It is. Holiday. <laughs> isn't it? Yes, Kinda. we'll be celebrating. <laughs> and I'll definitely be celebrating if uh, uh, Coleman Domingo wins. Really, really big fan of his. Okay, okay. Okay, so you know how Texas has resisted Obamacare? Mm-hmm, for years. Uh, we want to repeal it. Texas leads the country in health care exchange enrollments. Out of 50 states, more people have signed up for Obamacare in Texas than anywhere else. I just thought that was a neat little fact. That is a great factoid. Um, Senator Drew Springer wants to reopen Attorney General Ken Paxton's impeachment. Now, Springer represents a conservative district that runs from Weatherford to Wichita Falls. Mm -hmm. You'd consider that kind of conservative, wouldn't you? I would. Well, Drew Springer has said, I think Ken Paxton lied. I think Ken Paxton's attorneys misled us. Shocking. Shocking. Imagine that. No way. Um, in trying to get the whistleblower case dismissed, Paxton said he wasn't going to defend what he did anymore, basically admitting he did what he was accused of doing that got him impeached. So Springer wants to reopen the uh, impeachment hearings and wants to change his vote to impeach. Interesting. It'll never happen, but... Oh, you think that $3 million that went to Dan Patrick's campaign? Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if another $3 million came <laughs> his way, and it's like, oh, no, we're not opening that again. Yep. The, um, in his statement, he said that the settlement went way over $3.3 million that we were told. Uh, and there are questions about whether, and this is a quote, A.G. Paxton and his legal team misled the Senate. I, I think you should be be behind bars and had and been there, yeah, for quite a long time. Um, they're just now addressing his securities fraud charge that he's been he's been in office for eight years and going on longer, and he's never been tried. That would never happen to to you or me no. or anybody if no. you're charged with securities fraud. And you just never go to trial. Collin County doesn't want to pick up the tab for the trial, and it's going to be an expensive one. That should not be a reason not yeah. to, that somebody gets away with right. with a crime. Then, then okay, then they shouldn't pick up the tab. They don't, shouldn't pick up the tab for anybody else who's done the same thing. they pick up that tab for me. They sure would. <laughs> they sh and they pick it up for me. In a minute. Oh, I'd pay for it for you, Patty. <laughs> Well, my mom always said, we lived down on the, the Gulf Coast of Texas, and she used to go visit women in the prison farms. Mm -hmm. 
And she decided that, one, if she ever got convicted of a crime, they'd make her iron for the rest of her life. And iron? Iron. And that was, like, enough of a deterrent never to commit a crime. And then she's, then the other thing she used to say was, if, you, if you're going to go in there, like, go to prison for years or protect, potentially your whole life, Make it big, man. Ghosts go really, 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 really big to make it worth it. I'm still laughing about that iron thing. So your mom think, thought, okay, if I if I go to break a crime, I go to a prison, that's going to be her punishment? Yes. The, the hard labor? Yes, they would make her iron. iron. <laughs> My what mother used thought. to have, get this, my mother used to have a basket near the ironing board. We had a little room, had the ironing board yeah and uh you know a little table where you could fold clothes and stuff like that and she had an entire plastic basket like he would load clothes in to do laundry and it was full of handkerchiefs so my dad loved a real handkerchief just so he carried one all the time yeah. and she did you know how you take them out of the dryer and they're just this a little tiny wanted mm -hmm. up ball and you know you'd have to iron those to get them to right. like she would buy more <laughs> If she were still alive at an age where you could have them delivered to your house. I love your mom. <laughs> so this thing would just pile up with all these handkerchiefs. And like one day I was... Did she discard them? No, she just, well, let's just put them in there. I mean, the, the little basket. And which could fit a whole bunch of oh handkerchiefs because handkerchiefs are small. That is hilarious. So one day I was over there, you know, and I said, "Oh, iron these." I mean, like, what can it take? Like a really hot iron, and you know, you know, I don't know. So there's, there's something satisfactory about ironing. <laughs> and Amazon wasn't around. I mean, I ironed. And I just ironed them up, and then we had hundreds. Oh, my God. Hundreds of them. That is hilarious. And she's like, oh, thank you. That'll last the rest of his life. Because <laughs> she had so many of them. And I didn't realize that's what she was doing, was buying them. Buying him more, like a 10-pack or whatever. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and a handkerchief really is the easiest thing to iron. It is. It's very easy. <laughs> Takes off in two or three seconds. Yeah, one and you're done. You know, once yeah. like, the iron is hot. Yeah, <laughs> they'll make me iron in prison. <laughs> this is this is a woman who grew up in a household where my grandmother ironed the sheets. My grandmother did too. You know, yeah, and which is kind of really an awesome that, that, thing. I mean, that's I guess that's a generational thing. It is. Yeah. It is. But yeah, she was convinced they would, they would, because that's what she saw when she went out there to mm -hmm. visit these women. Mm -hmm. They had to make uniforms for everybody. Yeah. Men and women, and they had to iron. And she's like, "This is, this would be my eternal punishment, and I cannot, <laughs> cannot stray whatsoever because they'll make me do this." Oh, wow. <laughs> this would have been the last thing on my mind if I was going to prison. It's like, what are you going to be doing as hard labor? Iron, ironing would be the last thing on my mind. That is so funny. Yeah. It's a, it was a true deterrent for her. Yeah. So there you go. You don't need, don't need the death penalty. <laughs> when well, you have ironing. Yeah, yeah have when ironing. you have ironing forever. So really quick, I know we're coming up on the end of the hour, but um, just wanted, we hadn't talked about uh, uh, marriage equality lately. Uh, more and more countries are starting to um, 
accept that or allow it uh, legally. And then uh, this year, there's about five countries they expect because of favorable court rulings in those countries that are going to uh, have marriage equality. Any guesses? Estonia. Um, who? Estonia. Yes, good. You go, Patty. That's one speak? of them. India. The India's having some trouble. They did rule. The court ruled in their favor, but I guess their parliament is still saying no. So that's, I don't know how that works. Um, Japan, the Philippines, and Thailand. Japan's not really a surprise. They've had um, civil unions for years. They have. They have. Yeah. Yeah. In the Philippines, um, my niece's husband is Filipino. Um, he's American, but his mom is from the Philippines. But he's told us for years that he goes, I'm surprised they haven't had it already. They are so gay friendly in the Philippines, which I never knew. Wow. Um, My cousin's cousin mm -hmm. is the former president of the Philippines. Oh, that's right. And Duarte? Duterte. Yeah. Duterte. Yeah. And yeah, Duterte's daughter now is the vice president. Wow. So. Yeah. You're scaring me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Hopefully, hopefully that will come and we'll, we'll see those uh, countries added to the list. So I have I have her name and I want to get this right. Okay. Lily Gladstone. That's right. Lily Gladstone. Lily I Gladstone. apologize. I did not have her correct name. Um, and she was the um, lead actress in um, Killers of the Flower Moon, um, which is in our list to to yeah. watch. Yeah. So I really hope she does well, because uh, I think you know representation so matters. Absolutely. And I saw an article where they kind of took a cynical look at it, but I understood what they were saying. Isn't it sad that here in 2024, we're still having all of these firsts? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you, and when you look at it, like it's like, yeah, it is kind of sad, but I guess it's better late than never. Well, it's, um, it's a testament to how entrenched... Um, some forms of discrimination mm -hmm. and systems of discrimination are still in place Very in much this so. country. I mean, white white supremacy and its aftermath. Well, it's still ongoing um, in in a lot of ways in a lot of places, and especially places where people think is such a bastion of liberalism. You know, Hollywood. Everybody thinks, oh, they're so progressive, they're so liberal, no discrimination, anything goes. No, that's not true. Nope. The studios have always been run by white men, yeah. white heterosexual men, and that that ceiling is is rarely and still hard to crack. And just look at the 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 nominations. It's been like what a hundred years of Oscars now. Uh huh. And there've only been eight women nominated for best director. Yes. And in that time, only one black woman still has ever won best actress. Yes. Still. No, I take this two. No, there's one. And that's, that's Halle Berry. No, Viola Davis won. No, showing Best Supporting. Best Supporting. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was 20 years ago when Halle Berry won. Still. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. White, white, white. White, white, white. Well, Amazing. I have one quickie that I just want your opinion on. RFK said he is open to uh, taking the libertarian ticket line. 
in states that will nominate him. What do you think of his candidacy? Um, I, I think it's crazy. I think he's crazy. Um, his family thinks he's crazy. His family has sort of disowned his political life completely. Um, I, I, think he, I think he hurts the, the presidential race. I, at this point, I think he's such a non-factor. Seriously, I don't know. Is anybody really paying attention to him where he's going to really steal any votes? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. The anti-vaxxers. That's his big issue. And yeah. meanwhile, uh, when I was looking up anti-vaxxers, um, me there's a measles outbreak in Delaware, Georgia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Washington. Measles was declared eradicated in the United States in the year 2000. And it's back. And it's, it's back. back. Because of anti-vaxxers. Right. And the measles vaccine is almost 100% effective. It's more than 99% effective. And a lot of people don't understand that they're, the measles can kill you. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's not just the little, you know, red dots. I remember when I was like Chickenpox, too. Chickenpox, too. Yeah. I had measles when I was about five, and we drew pictures of ourselves and put them on the mailbox so our friends wouldn't come over. And we put used that red Crayola... You know, all over. <laughs> oh, my and God, this is your story's batty. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so that's what our kids in the neighborhood would, would oh, know wow. that we couldn't, they couldn't come over. Wow. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, that was, like, like just a little bit of deal. But there's, measles is serious. They're serious. I, I, I never had measles. I had the chicken pox, and it was not fun. I had the chicken pox when I was, like, like, 21, 22. Seriously? Seriously? Mm, I think I was six when I had mine. Oh, I'll have to tell you my chicken box story. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we are out of time. You'll have to tell him off the air. For all of us here at Lambda Weekly, have a good week.